for folks who haven't heard, there was a uh, big news the last couple of weeks. Uh, Michael Moore's film, uh, Planet of the Humans, uh, which was directed by Jeff Gibbs, was taken down off YouTube um, despite a pretty enormous audi online audience. It was uh, really taken down uh, uh, over a technicality, a fair use technicality, over four seconds of footage. So it's really right in the middle of the things, a lot of things we've been talking about recently in terms of censorship on the internet. So we're going to discuss that uh, with with uh, with him now, and uh, let's hear what he has to say about because um, we he hasn't uh, been terribly outspoken uh, yet about. The, the, this move, so he's going to have a lot to say, I think, about this. Yeah. Michael Moore, welcome to uh, Useful Idiots. Thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having me. Well, to be respectful of your time, we we, we know we've got a lot of stuff we wanted to get get to with sure. you. So, um, what we really want to talk about is is what happened with Planet of the Humans, uh, and especially, uh, obviously, it's been taken down off YouTube. Can you talk a little bit about the arc of the sort of campaign to get this movie suppressed and how quickly that coalesced uh, with, with this film? It happened fairly quickly, like within hours of us. Um, we made the decision to, I mean, Jeff and Ozzy have been working on this film for about 10 years and um, <clears throat> we we're going to release it this uh, fall in theaters. But I don't think, I don't know, that doesn't seem very hopeful right now. Maybe, maybe it'll be okay, but, um, we just decided, why don't we just put it up on, on my channel on YouTube, make it free of charge. Uh, it's, we really don't feel like there's another six months to wait when it comes to dealing with the climate, uh, catastrophe that we're in the middle of. And, uh, so much time has been lost over all these years. And, um, so we just made the decision to, to, to put it up. Um, not before it went through all the usual things that we do with all of my films. We hire outside fact checkers, people that are not on the crew, not part of the film, to try and tear the film apart and show us what's wrong and <clears throat> if there's something wrong uh, factually, what we need to correct. It's uh, always vetted by uh, two different attorneys. Uh, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a target, so I'm... Uh, I've, uh, for 30 years now, been very, very careful about making sure every I is dotted and every T crossed. Uh, so this film went through that same process, and, and I haven't yet, today, uh, with all the uh, uh, people have been attacking it, and really, I don't want to give them a whole lot of credit, because the majority of people, if you read the comments on YouTube or whatever, are very appreciative of the film, and that we were willing to speak some awful truths and some things that uh, that even were hard for us to say because a, a lot, we belong to a lot of these groups. You know, we, Jeff and I were part of the first Earth Day. You know, <laughs> that's wow. how old we are. So we're, this, we've been environmentalists all our lives, uh, belong to the Sierra Club, have, in the past have belonged to a lot of these groups. So it's, it was very hard for us to, um, and we wish that we didn't have to be in this position, but nobody was willing to ask the questions that we wanted to ask. And not so much just pointing out, as we do in the film, how sadly a lot of these groups and their leaders have gotten into bed with Wall Street, with corporate America, with just the wrong people. And I think, and I think some of it may have been well-intended. Uh, you know, they are not against capitalism in the way that I am. So I understand why they, 
they believe, some of them, that uh, capitalism is a possible way out of the climate catastrophe. But I have learned in my lifetime that uh, billionaires are not our friends. Doesn't mean that they're... (laughs) Can't be. You might run across a billionaire somewhere in your life who's a good person. And, a class trader. Uh, a class trader. Yes, there are. In those. which case, they'll be good. Yeah. Yes. So, so I don't. I want to paint a completely broad brush stroke on all billionaires. But generally, it was disheartening to Jeff and to and to Ozzy and myself over these years that that the, there was a turn against these big corporations that were causing the problem and toward the turn went toward, well, let's talk to them or let's see if we can convince them, which, okay, you know, kumbaya. It's a little naive. I think, you know, the three of us are from Flint, Michigan. Okay. So maybe we just should get that out of the way. If you grow up, Jeff and I were born there. We grew up there. Um, uh, We were in our senior year. We were in the same high school. Ozzy at age 17 he grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He, he actually made the choice to move to Flint, which we never understood. But nonetheless, he was welcomed, and he went to school there and went to uh, uh, General Motors University, uh, now, now called Kettering University, engineering school. So we are all, we are all, because we are people of the hometown of what back in the day was the world's richest corporation. We learned at a very early age never to trust these bastards, that they never had our good interests at heart. And that has been shown in Flint over and over and over again throughout the years, including the recent uh, water, what do they call it, the water crisis, uh, the poisoning of mostly black people uh, in the city of Flint. So we decided that we couldn't remain silent anymore. We had to ask these questions, and the main question the film asks is this. 50 years after the first Earth Day, how are we doing? Is the planet in better shape? Are, are, uh, has it all worked out? You know, in the first few years, we passed the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, a lot of good things created the EPA, a lot of good things happened. At some point, some of the leaders of these groups decided it was okay to start taking money from foundations whose money came from oil and gas and fossil fuels and banks and fast food, um, the meat industry, all, you know, all these different things that contribute to our climate catastrophe. They started taking the money. They started um, cozying up with Wall Street, with Goldman Sachs. Bloomberg, in the same way that he's tried to buy all those mayors when he was going to run, for office with all his contributions to the anti-gun movement um, uh, has, you know, given a ton of money to the Sierra club and to other organizations and uh, has tried to buy his way into that. That's not to say that he is a human being isn't care concerned about the environment. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he hated seeing kids shot at school and that's why he gave money to that. But uh, generally the rich do not give their money without strings and the mayors of those cities saw that when he was going to run for president this year, uh, the, the favors were called in. Those stories have been done. We don't need to get into that today. But nonetheless, we felt that our, our environmental movement had been taken over uh, by um, uh, the moneyed interests 
and and that we were not being as aggressive as we need to be to save this planet. We are out of time. Bill McKibben himself told us a decade ago, if we went past 350 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere, that was it. We couldn't turn it back. We're at 417 parts per million today. We are way beyond 350. It's it's such a, a you know, I, I hate to be the Debbie Downer. <laughs> and I still do have my sense of humor somewhere in me, but I really... Um, this is bad. This is really, really, really bad. And so we felt somebody should ask the question, are we on the right path? Uh, is it too late? What can we do? Uh, Jimmy Carter had the right idea 41 years ago when he put solar panels on the roof of the White House, and then Reagan came in the next year and tore them off. We lost those 41 years. It's not 1979 any longer. And I think somebody needs to, and we do in this film, ask the question, can we now solar panel and windmill our way out of this? So I don't know. I don't think so. Clearly the film strives to start this discussion, right, about whether yeah. that's, that's even possible. But right away from the reaction to the movie, it was clear that the, the lines of criticism identified the film not just as incorrect, but as misinformation, as uh, supportive of white supremacy or eco-fascism. <laughs> and, and in other words, the, almost immediately saw these arguments that were kind of felt, felt like they were designed to, to provide a pretext for, for removing it completely. I mean, what, is that different from what you normally experience when, when, the, yes. when the film comes out? Yes, usually, usually with, with a film like uh, Roger Me, which is about General Motors and Flint, or the Bowling for Combine when the NRA went after us, or uh, when George Bush and, well, really, Karl Rove went after us with uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. Uh, they didn't just like, they knew that in order to tell a lie, you have to have a big kernel of truth to the lie about me or the movie. Um, they knew, which is weird, the right, I guess, well, I guess that's why the right has won more than we've won in these last 50 years, why they have the Supreme Court, why they have the majority of the governorships, why they have the Senate, the White House. I mean, go down the list, they have it. They do this because they know how to lie. They know how to fool a lot of the people a lot of the time. To see this happen to this film, where like, those things you just said, this crazy ass, insane, unhinged thing about this move, the movie is this or this and that, and isn't they gone in there? And now they're with the headline in the, the nation. And this is what's really interesting how the, 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 the shill for oil and gas, the flack for right? Yes, yeah. that, no, that yes, meet the new flack for, for oil and gas. Right. I mean, it's, it's like, wow. Okay, so dudes. Um, you know, when you're going to make up shit, you got to make it sound believable. Like if I, if I told Katie right now, Katie, look, there's a Martian behind you. Uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody knows that's a lie. There is no kernel of truth that Martians have entered Pennsylvania, a location we can't disclose because the Martians are looking for it. But, but it doesn't work. It only works if it's got truth to it or some truth, a little truth. They didn't bother to do that. They just went off just crazy, crazy defamatory um, statements and stuff. And so generally my position is really when that happens, you just don't pay any attention to it. Because the only time I've had to put up with that is like from a 
a, maybe a Rush Limbaugh or a, you know, kind of some kind of crazy making. What's that other guy on um, uh, uh, Alex, Alex Jones? Jones, Jones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like if Alex Jones said something about you guys tonight, literally, would you waste one minute responding to it? I mean, it's like, put it in the scrapbooks, show it to your grandkids. Yeah. And go, you know, it'll be, it'll be for a good laugh. So the fact that they, uh, the people when I, that I'm talking about, the, the uh, eco, uh, the people that run the eco-industrial complex, green capitalists, people that are generally on our side of the political issues. But because this film goes after it and goes after the capitalism, that's part of the reason we have failed. We have failed to stop this climate catastrophe. And the nation, I mean, the nation doesn't want to, they don't want you to look at the back cover of last week's magazine or the week before that or the week before that because it's a full page ad for a hedge fund. You don't want to think, when you think the nation, you, do, you just want to think it's a bunch of like, you know, elderly liberal people on a cruise somewhere yeah. listening to the- I've been on that twice, by the way. <laughs> Have you? No. To do stand up. I went no, to do stand up. They, they have asked me for 20 years and I'm thinking, why would I ever go on a cruise? What about just the amount of pollution? I know. They don't, yeah. That boat, that they, but they still do it. No, we they should, still oh, they, they still do it, right? They still do it because, because as good as they are and as all the good things they do, ultimately, they are part of the system that I'm not a part of. They are not from Flint. They are not of the working class. The, yes, of course, they take hedge fund money and right. ads. Just even, even the same week that they go after me with that headline about, you know, my, my movie is flacking for oil and gas. They have, they have like literally seven days after we release our film, a, a public uh, live stream conversation with the head of 350.org. And it begins with, with Don Gutenplan, the editor of The Nation, saying, uh, well, this is really weird. I've never really began a live stream like this before, but I'm required to say that uh, today's live stream is brought to you by our sponsor, Domini Funds. <laughs> and he goes on for, does it for the rest of that minute, a commercial for this hedge fund that's sponsoring this conversation with Bill McKibben. And they've got the logo up behind them with one of our most revered leaders of our environmental movement. You know, we, all you got to do, anybody can do this. Just look into Domini Funds and you'll see, I think there's like 66 companies that they invest in that are involved in, in the um, uh, various things like the logging and timber business, biomass that they try to pass off, as we point out in the film, as renewable energy. But to renew a tree takes like 50 to 100 years but they try to pass that off as renewable energy. There's so many lies about this, and we wanted to show people this, and we knew we were going to get crap for it because people have built their their identity, their fame. They've sold books. Uh, they've, they've created a movement. They've created a religion, in some cases, around them. And they, and they have people like Al Gore. You know, it's like, you know, he won. It's, it's yeah, why don't go after Al Gore? The guys have got, he won the presidency and then didn't get the keys to the Oval Office. Yeah. Give him, throw him a bone, throw him a bone, yeah. Yeah, come on, Mike. You know, Bloomberg does good things. Why are you going after that? Goldman Sachs, Goldman, the, 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 um, the CEO of Goldman Sachs was at the Oscars uh, a few years ago and he came up to me and he said, 
why are you always going after us? <laughs> I said, because you're, you're Goldman fucking Sachs. You drove a Brinks truck right up over the curb and up to our front doors demanding that we give the money back. We paid all the money back. <laughs> well, it wasn't just that. It was also all the times you and the others have been fined for criminal activities that you got away with getting a civil fine. And, and, um, and, and I want money. I want money for the people of this country from you. Anyways, he said to me, this is what he said to me. He said, um, you know, you should not go after us. We're Democrats. You know, we're the one big investment firm on Wall Street. All right, when do we bring in the squid uh, part of the conversation? <laughs> <laughs> they said that? They said that? No, no, no. Oh, no. Okay, I, sorry. You said yeah. Because you sorry, can't yeah. talk about this without thinking of Matt's uh, you know, <laughs> vampire seminal, squid, yeah. Of course, right. Seminal, yeah. seminal article and, right. uh, and, and framing of this issue. You know, we're Democrats. Don't go after and And I'm like, yeah, you're de- yeah, you are. You, you actually, you were the number one contributor, private contributor to the um, uh, Barack Obama 2008 campaign. Um, I tried to pretend that wasn't, I wasn't going to worry about that. And within a month after, after President Obama's election, uh, Larry Summers and Timothy Geithner uh, were put in charge of our economy, and that was the end of that. And um, so they, they don't want me pointing this out. This is why they're angry at the film. This is why they have worked to get it taken down. From day one, they, um, they sent emails out to, I've heard from dozens of people that got an email from uh, one of these people saying, work with me. We must take this film down. It m- it's a dangerous film, and we must, it must not be seen. That's what they were really afraid of. And see, here's what's happened. Because the film is its own best defense, when people heard that this is something they shouldn't see, they, all they did was double and triple the viewership. Right. So 8.3 million people now have watched it, and, and the response has been so overwhelmingly positive from the people um, that uh, they had to do something to really stop this uh, because they knew that they had now driven more people to the film and um, that was really the wrong, wrong thing for them to do. Now though, we're, as you and I are speaking, as we're taping this, I don't know when you're actually going to air this, um, but, but uh, we're, as we're talking, we're in day four, heading into day five of our film being banned on YouTube. Now, YouTube did not, did not ban it. What they did was they got a company, a company that is funded by the same people who fund 350.org to file a copyright claim on four seconds. Yeah, four the, seconds. That's amazing. Yeah. Of the movie, four seconds. And because YouTube is so nervous and afraid of putting up anything that's copyrighted material, because the studios will go after them, the record companies will go, you know, everybody will go after them. So now they've had, they have this really stringent policy that if you can prove something is, you know, that's not cleared is in the film, they'll shut it down. Well, as I said, we had lawyers go through this before we even put it up. Um, we only use fair use copyright, copyright material that's fair use. Um, people can look it up if they don't, don't know what that means, but it's, it's, it's one of the, few first amendment protections we have in our copyright laws um, and, and also just to, to be point yeah. out it's a traditionally long celebrated by progressives right. as, an, as an important tool 
in for creative for creative people for journalists right but anti-media conglomeration anti-corporate media people all these wiki people who want these stuff to be free they create yeah sure because sometimes it's the only way you can show what's going on i mean look at all my all my movies have this footage in pure night 9 11 the footage at the beginning of the film with with um uh uh, it was don rumsfeld and and they're all he's licking the the comb and Look at his hair. Right, right. All, all that stuff that was going on. <clears throat> I think I repressed that memory. Triggered now, yeah. yeah sorry about that. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But, but, uh, uh, but, you know, that's fair use, copyrighted. That, that was shot by ABC. I didn't shoot it. Right. So the law says you can use 35 seconds of that to make your point because they the First Amendment supersedes uh, the fact that ABC is the actual owner of this. Right. But otherwise, we wouldn't able to be able to show things or have a conversation. So it's a protection for, and yes, liberals and lefties and progressives tend to celebrate. Instead, what they decided to do was find somebody uh, within their group, somebody who uh, had received uh, money from the same uh, uh, foundation, multi-billion dollar fund that also funds uh, 350.org and and got them to file this complaint with YouTube. And um, as soon as that happened, it, it, it automatically triggered whatever the robot is that uh, decides these things at YouTube, and down it went. And we're in day five, and you go to my YouTube channel to Planet of the Humans, and it's a black screen. And this is stunning to me in a free society, in a democracy, with First Amendment rights, that our freedom of expression would be halted. Like, let's say they have a claim. Let's say the people that own the four sure. seconds. Well, then what is it? Can you tell us what it is, by the way? Yes, actually, it's it's the it's the four seconds that it's in a very long montage of all the the minerals and the crap that has to right. be mined and dug up to build a solar panel. If you haven't yeah, seen, it's the, a really cool montage, by the way. It's yeah. a great montage, and and like myself and others before I saw this, I just assumed it was solar panels are made of glass. Glass comes from sand. Right. What's the problem? <laughs> it's not that at all. And so much fossil fuels are used in the building of these panels and windows. Anyways, the four seconds is it shows um, a, a rare earth mine, rare earth minerals, which by their very, by its title, are rare, right. rare minerals. And talk about a, a natural resource that is extremely limited and will run out. So everybody who's thinking we're going to get our solar panel our way to the 22nd century we won't have these rare earth minerals because there aren't there aren't many of them. And in fact, the person that got the footage had to go to China, had to sneak into the mine to get those four seconds. So it's kind of it's a, it's an important four seconds for the point we're trying to show that so much goes into the making of these solar panels. Um, so I give them. Listen, I know that there's I you know there's a, probably a lot of money and a lot of energy and effort uh, that's been behind these first four or five weeks of trying to shut down the film. They scared and bullied sites that were using it for free because we made it for free to anybody who wanted to put it up. So one site took it down because they were afraid of upsetting the people, some of the poobahs of this movement. And um, the people that were doing our live stream, we were going to do a live stream every week. They got bullied. And so we got shut down there. So we've had no live streams because of, of their attacks and they're going after the people that, that offered to help us get the word out to people. It's been so much of that and the slander and the kind of just made up crap that they uh, said about the film. 
And every time we read, oh, it's misinformation or it's old footage, or it's like, first of all, the first thing is if you're a documentary filmmaker, to accuse us of using old footage right. is <laughs> it's the, it's the same as calling it a documentary because right. this story is a 50-year-old story. Yeah, there's a lot of old f- footage in the film. But, but they try to use that and then say that means the data is old. Well, the, the data is not old. You, it's a 10-year journey that Jeff takes in this film. He films it. At the end of the film, you see the charts. It's right there on the screen from the U.S. Uh, the Energy uh, Administration, uh, 2019, 2020. It's all up to date. When you get to the end of the, the film begins, you, you guys, I think you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So at the beginning of the film, he goes to a solar festival 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago now. And they said it's all power, powered by solar. And he just goes backstage and he sees that it's being run on a gasoline um, generator. Generator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says, what's this? He says, well, it was a cloudy day. <laughs> it was a cloudy day. Of course, it's a, it's a cloudy day. You know, anybody from Michigan knows I'm laughing only because in Michigan, only one out of every four days has sun throughout the year. It's called, it's called a sunny day. And, uh, <laughs> that's why if you are living in California, the Michigan diaspora that extends throughout the Southwest and California is uh, large. Anyways, so, um, so you, you see that at the beginning of the film. At the end of the film, there's Jeff at Earth Day. I don't know when it was, a couple years ago, a year ago, I don't know. But right now, in, in the current time, goes backstage on the mall in D.C., to see the, because they just set on the stage, it was being powered by solar, uh, by alternative energy. And there's, there's a, a solar, there is a solar array there, but it's there for essentially show. He said, he interviews the guy, the solar guy, is this powering that concert on the stage? The usher is singing right now. Is that, he goes, no, no, that's, that's uh, being powered off the electrical grid. And so at the beginning of the film and at the end of the film and the journey in between, Jeff shows you that we've been lied to a lot. You know, a similar thing happened to me uh, just like 25, 30 years ago. I wanted to find out what happens to those blue bins that we recycle. We put all our stuff in. So I followed a truck that was going around collecting the blue bins, following for 25, 30 miles. This is in Michigan. And we ended up at a landfill. And he just dumped them with the garbage, the regular garbage. And from that day on, I just thought every time, you know, I'll try to use the blue bin, but I know this blue bin is here for bullshit. It's to convince us that something is happening and it's to make me feel better because I did something today for planet earth. I recycled right. soda cans. And, but you know, we're not those kind of people. Again, did I say we're from Flint? We don't have any of this happy, happy thing in us. We can't stand bullshit. And, and we especially don't like it when people on our side are bullshitting to each other. We are going to lose this battle. We are losing this battle for climate, climate crisis and climate change and, and um, we are sick about it. And so we wanted to start this conversation. They don't want to have the conversation. They want to shut us down. They want that screen to be black so that you can't see what we're going to show you. If they think what we're showing you is not right or we're wrong or the things our opinion or, or analysis is wrong, we should have that debate. Why not have the debate? Why shut us down? Because while we will guarantee you every single fact in the movie is absolutely correct, the opinions in the film are ours. And we might be right and we might be wrong. 
I think right. We, I mean, the, 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 the critics will say you have insufficiently optimistic uh, takes on the efficacy of solar panels, that the tech, that there are more optimistic projections that are coming in the future. But the point yeah. is, they don't even want to, they don't, they don't want to have that back and forth. They just don't want right. to, the film can't be shown. It's, it's dangerous. I mean, where does that instinct, it seems like it's a new thing in like progressive thinking to just say, we don't want to see that at all. Uh, or yeah. is it? Well, I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. I do know that as humans, we are inclined to when we're caught, and they've been caught by the release of this film, to want to pretend that it doesn't exist, or to call the the people why or whatever. I mean, it's the old Richard Pryor routine, uh, where he talks about the importance of when your wife comes home and catches you in bed uh, with another woman. It's absolutely important to deny that the other woman is there in the bed, no matter what, you know, even if you have to come right down to who are you going to believe me or your own lying eyes. <laughs> and, and that is what they're essentially saying here that, that who are you going to believe? Are you going to watch what we're sh these guys are showing you in this film and believe them? Especially that there's one guy who's got 30 years worth of films warning you about uh, the collapse of industrial America, warning you about there's going to be more than, more school shootings than just Columbine, warning you that there are going to be no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, warning you that, that uh, Trump is going to win in five months and he's going to win by winning Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Why would you believe that guy? You know, that's, the, that's, of course, is the greatest fear that they're having to deal with because people are believing it because we have, and Jeff has worked on Bowling for Columbine and Fahrenheit 9-11 and, and uh, um, <clears throat> Fahrenheit 11-9, and he's written the score for a lot of my films. He's also a musician. Um, they know that we have built up our, our credibility here with a dozen films. And, um, and we've never let the people down. And we've always told the truth. And I've had to take a lot, as you know, a lot of crap over the years by telling the truth. Uh, Roger and me, you know, we went after the UAW for getting into bed with General Motors. So the UAW attacked the film. My uncle was one of the founders of the UAW in the sit-down strike in Flint, 1936. <laughs> Here's the UAW attacking my film. Ralph Nader attacked the film. You know, he did. He told me he didn't. Who did I? He, he wanted to know who did I think I was doing something about General Motors. That was his bailiwick. And I'm like, Ralph, I grew up there. It's the hometown of the corporation. My uncle was in the strike. It. It. I have had this happen so many. Look at. When I just wait, Nate, I, Ralph Nader said that about your other film, Roger and Me. Roger, Roger and Me. He said that. Yes. It's in the New York Times. Anybody can look it up. Why did he, did he say that? With the, with the New York Times and his and one of his associates, and they just attacked the film. It stunned me. Stunned me because I had spent a couple years of my life working in Ralph's office in my younger years as a Nader Raider. So it was just right. it was so. It it's but you know I'm I'm so used to this over the years, Michael Eisner tried to head of Disney uh, because Disney owned Miramax. He tried to, he said, no, we're not releasing this film. He didn't want to upset. 9-11, right? 9-11. Yeah. He didn't want to upset Jeb Bush because they were going for a tax break for Disney World in Florida. And so he wasn't going to release the film. And we went to the New York Times with the story and they ran a front page story uh, about Eisner, one of the largest contributors to the Democratic Party, not a right winger, uh, right. Trying, to, trying to literally kill uh, this film. When I won my Oscar for uh, Bowling for Columbine, 
that night was the fifth night of the Iraq war. And I could not stand there and not say something about we're being lied to. They're not going to find any weapons of mass destruction. And I got booed by liberal Hollywood off the stage. You know, and what was I saying? Democratic U.S. senators uh, voted uh, in favor of the war. The majority of the Democrats in the Senate voted in favor of the war. And because I said that, and I said that in the film, then I'm dead to them. This, so this is just the same thing to me, uh, except it, it is much more um, aggressive and solidified. And I think it's only because we've, we're going after the way they earn their living, frankly. And they, they don't want people to hear this truth. Sorry. But, oh, no, it's okay. So there are, just to, to kind of get to the more, the meta issue of censorship, because um, there are people, right, who are, who don't have these ulterior motives, who, who have problems with your film. And that's fine. Like, that's not, that doesn't make it worse, um, worthy of being removed. Um, and, you know, people who we all kind of agree with on, on political, not we all, probably oftentimes we b- b- agree with them, right? There are people who yeah. are yeah, just yeah. normal citizens who just disagree with the politics or, you know, whether it's because they think what you say is incorrect or they think that the, it can be used to justify ABC, XYZ, whatever. But I'm, I'm curious if you have a sense of how, how many people have problems with the film but are very committed to not taking it down. Oh, a lot. Um, I, I can see that just on my, um, my Facebook post today, and, my, and especially Instagram. Why are the Instagram people nicer? I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's the pictures. Yeah. It's, it's the pictures, yes. Yeah. Um, and so, I, yes, a number of them have said, I don't agree with this film. I don't like what you're saying. I don't agree with your analysis that capitalism is the problem. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but this is absolutely wrong. This is, this is so wrong that your freedom of speech should be held up in any way, shape, or form because freedom of speech means actually you have the right to be wrong. Right. You're taking that, you're taking that right away from us, that we might be wrong. By shutting yeah. down, by having the screen go black, it's, I got to tell you though, can I just tell you a little story? This is, I've been so offended by, I mean, I was the president of the Flint branch of the ACLU when I was like 19 or 20 years old. So I've cared deeply about civil liberties. And it's been very heartening to see uh, Penn America, the civil liberties group for writers and artists and filmmakers, uh, once again, for the second time in, in two weeks, take a very strong stand against the people trying to censor and shut down this movie. Um, but I, I have been, I'm so, I find it abhorrent that anybody's speech should be stifled. So back in, I don't know when this was, after the Oscar speech, and um, maybe it was uh, 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. And there was an anti-Michael Moore website called uh, Moore Watch or Michael Moore Hates America. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Okay. So, and this guy was like relentless, man, going after me, every little thing. You showed that picture of Charlton Heston with one tie on. Then he, the next scene, he had a different tie on. (laughs) <laughs> it was like this guy, I mean he was really he was just he was just after me constantly then one day he posts this this message um uh we just found out my wife has cancer and um our health insurance ran out uh last year and we don't have any health this is all before Obamacare we don't have any health insurance so I'm gonna have to shut down the site and uh get another job 
and try to pay for her, her treatments. I'm really sorry to have to shut this down. And I, um, and I, please, as I tell this story, please don't anybody think better of me. I'm, I'm a flawed person, just like everybody. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, any kind of a saint here, but I couldn't, I, I was so upset. I, I had, uh, one of my producers, um, track him down, not telling him it was, it was me and just wanted to get a, either a, an address or a, a bank could t- send the money to. And so we wrote out a check that not with my name on the check, obviously, um, for $12,000 to send to him so he could afford at least the next year's health insurance. And a couple of days later, he, he goes online, please back up. Oh my God, somebody out there, whoever you are, sent me this money. Thank you for doing that. I'm, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be able to keep going after Michael Moore. <laughs> now I know this might seem a little masochistic on my end, but, but I, I was more offended by the fact that I live in a country that because he can't afford health insurance, his free speech is taken away from him to go after me. That was just, I don't know. I just said, I said to my friends, I just, this is, I, I'm sorry. I know I'm going to sound crazy here, but we got to quietly just send him uh, a, a check and, and get him, get his wife the treatments. Long story short, his wife survives. Uh, he continued attacking me, but um, um, I felt a need at some point. I, I knew he was going to find this out and we were going to put this in. The, I just said, look, I said, the night before the film premiered in Cannes, I called him. So you let him know? And- I let him, I, I, well, he didn't pick up. It was his answering machine. So I, I just left a message saying, hey, I, I don't want this to, and I don't want you to think I'm up to anything. I, was, I did this with all good intention and sincerity, uh, and I, I hope you keep going. And if you ever want to talk, I can clear up some of the things that you write about me. Right. Aren't right, but, and, and then he posted the voicemail on the, the huh. on me. And, and he still went after me, but I got to say, um, he went after me for, you know, if I, were, if I had his politics, they were for good reasons. It wasn't making up shit or, you know, just going after saying the crazy stuff I've had to listen to the last couple of weeks. It's like that famous line. I may not agree with you, but I'll pay $12,000 to save your wife's life. So you have the right to say it. Patrick Henry. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. One of our founding fathers. Yeah. There you go. Yes, yeah. Shouldn't we be a little, a little um, forgiving, especially, uh, I, I mean, I have health insurance from the director's guild the Writers Guild and SAG, you know, and I've asked all of them, I, I don't need these other two policies. Can I like give them to somebody who doesn't have a policy? But it's like, it's just wrong that I get to have that. And he doesn't have that. And, and, um, and plus here's the thing too. I welcome the debate. I don't care yeah. if you don't like me or you're against me or you hate the movie, hate the movie. I hate a lot of movies, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's like, you know, I'm not going to not read Rolling Stone anymore because they, they published this essay by Bill McKibben saying things that weren't true. So, but I'm not, but I'm still going to read Rolling Stone. I'm not going to be like, you know, Oh, he didn't like my film or he, he said something nasty about me. (laughs) You know, it's like, I'm just not, I don't know. I'm not wired that way. I I think I want the great debate. Yeah. I want us, you know, it's, it's, it's um, we didn't get into it when I was on your podcast uh, months ago, but I would love to have this conversation uh, uh, with Matt at some point about what he's gone through with this whole, how he's tried to tamp down 
all the overheated, unhinged <clears throat> Russia, Russia, Russia stuff. And um, uh, I think it's important to have that. And, and Matt and I may have some disagreement on right. that. So what? Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, that's one of the things I wanted to ask about. Like, the, it, it, some of this is, is stemming from a lot of the uh, sort of a change in the way we look at uh, speech and media since the Trump era began, yeah. since fake news. Uh, there's been a lot of this idea that, you know, mm. because of Brexit and Trump's election and now the coronavirus that we can no longer tolerate misinformation. It's no longer harmless. We have to cut it off, head it off at the pass. Uh, therefore, we have to take these preventive measures I mean, has there been a sea change in, in the way people think about these things? And has that affected your, because in the, in the old days, if you had a copyright dispute like the one you have, um, it would have been litigated. You would have gone to a court, right? And, and, and any creative person can understand having a copyright claim. That's understandable, but it would have been, it would have been argued out. Now you just kind of go to the, the tech overlord and, you know, and yeah. it's gone the next day, which is yeah, a, a very different way of, a different way of looking at things and i've had i've had to have i've had those legal uh entanglements over the years over fair use and things like that and and we've gone to court or we've we've uh had a mediation um and i've never lost i i don't lose these things because i'm very careful about it because i do respect an artist and their and their work now on the other hand i don't have much respect for myself uh in that sense so I make it clear to everybody, they are welcome right. to beg, borrow, and steal um, as much as they want from my work. I tell teachers, do not, you don't have to get a permission slip or whatever to show my movies in your classrooms. You have automatic permission to use scenes. And, and people have taken me up on that. I mean, I've, and I've had people like there's this uh, group in London that did a recut of the Finland scene in my film, Where to Invade Next. And actually, I think it might have been a better cut than the one I had in the film. But they've got like 30 million views of this of this recut scene from my film. Right. I'm in favor of all of that. Right. I, don't, I don't believe that... Here's the only thing I'm not in favor of. I'm not in favor of if, if uh, um, let's say, uh, Katie, you have a, 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 you do a stand-up, and, and, and so you've got your 45-minute, you know, one-hour special with Katie Alpern. Um, you know, that's your living. Um, I don't think anybody should have the right to take that off the internet or right. that from DVDs and, and then make money off right, and monetize it without monetize yeah. it for themselves off your labor. That's your yeah. labor and your creativity. You cannot take another person's labor like that and then make money off them, money that they don't see that I'm opposed to. Yeah. Everything else though, you know, and plus with me, you know, I've done well enough yeah. uh, to steal my shit and, and, and use it as much as possible and share it and whatever. And I, the studios hate me saying this because they still want to make money off it. And I say to them, really, you know, that movie was 18 years ago, <laughs> you know, and, 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 uh, and it failed. It was supposed to stop school shootings. It was the first mass school shooting shooting. And we all said, let's make this movie and we'll make sure this never happens again. And now what are we, 400 school shootings later? So why do you still want to make money on it? It, it, it didn't work. Um, and I, actually, this just gave me a thought that I was trying to think of, well, how would I feel 
like it, like let's say I'm the Bill McKibben or I'm the Al Gore of of uh, of gun violence and trying to stop uh, gun violence in this country, and I made a movie about it. And I've done all this all this work for 18 years, and um, in 20 years now. And what if a a left a, a, a couple of left filmmakers, left wing filmmakers, um, next year decide to make a film on all Michael Moore. And the movement for gun control was wrong. Their hearts were in the right place when they made that movie and when they tried to stop gun violence. But now we have white men with guns occupying our state capitals, uh, white cops killing black citizens. Um, and this movie, this, di- this imaginary documentary from next year, says Michael Moore meant well, but he was wrong because uh, liberals maybe should have bought some guns, maybe should have learned how to fire a gun because now Trump has refused to leave office and his guys with guns are everywhere. And now we have to protect our lives. I could see that movie being made and I would, you know, I hope they come talk to me about it as Jeff, the director, as you see in the film, tried to talk to Bill McKibben and was given the big brush off um, and sort of mocked too at the same time. Uh, I, you know, I could say, I'm just saying because I'm a public person and I've been active in various movements, maybe my way of trying to bring about change maybe wasn't the right way. Maybe I shouldn't have been supporting a 78 year old uh, candidate from Vermont for president. And maybe we should have figured something else out. And that's why Trump got his second term. I mean, imagine anything like that. And I would have to suffer through a documentary about I meant well, but I was wrongheaded, and um, and the, and these younger, more left wing filmmakers uh, decide to take the piss out of me. Well, it wouldn't but, be the so first yeah. Michael Moore is full of shit movie, would it? Would it? There, there have been a few of those. Is there? Yeah, but those are all those are all comedies, <laughs> right? Yeah. All, yeah. yeah, and they're not from your somewhat fellow travelers, right? Which is what makes this a little. Right. Atypical. The new one would be, yeah. Yeah, the other ones were all from the right wing. Right. Um, But but some of them were great, though. Michael Moore Hates America is a great one. Uh, Fahrenheit 11.4. I don't know what the some kind of weird title. There's been been Michael and me and me and Michael. So I'm used to all this. It's nothing new. Well, one of the things that we've talked about recently is how, like, the Michael – and it's funny you brought up Penn because – Penn has, I mean, what did they ever? Did they even comment at all on Julian Assange, or did they comment on him later on? Does, does anyone know what the status is with that? I don't know about Penn. The, the, the committee to protect reporters did. I mean, there there, there were some, but the, but the, in general, I mean, it hasn't been right. He's not given what a violation of of First Amendment rights. His uh, not to mention like civil rights and civil liberties that he's undergoing. Um, there's been real silence. And I think that then you see also with Michael Flynn, right? You see like Matt has taken a lot of heat for this, but kind of saying that the way that they went after Flynn was not kosher, shall we say. Um, And because various people who consider themselves progressive hate Michael Flynn or hate Julian Assange, although more Michael Flynn than Assange, hopefully um, we have seen, I think this pause on a lot of cherished, um, ideals like just your standard issue 
ACLU liberals who aren't speaking out on certain things because it's politically inconvenient. And Matt just, you wrote this piece, Matt, about how the Dems lost, what is it? They gave up their commitment to uh, civil yeah, I mean, liberties. I was well, talking about, a, uh, I mean, but we were, for instance, just talking to uh, Ali Abunima. Ali Abunima about, you know, 50 Palestinian journalists were just taken off right. Facebook. I mean, there's just a lot of this kind of thing going on, but your, your movie is obviously the highest profile example of this kind of thing that that's happening right now. And then what's striking, you know, when, when stupid white men, if I remember correctly, Harper Collins didn't want to publish it, but there was this movement, organic movement of librarians, right. Who, right. who pressured them into changing their minds. And that's what I'm worried. I'm not seeing in this case is that, that kind of, um, yeah, you know, I just that pushback. Posted, I just posted on my Facebook, where's the Academy, the motion mm -hmm. Picture Academy on this, that if they're able to just shut down anybody's film right. and, and, you know, um, and I, I, okay, I'm not anybody. So I guess that makes it even worse. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. If they could, if they could shut down the, the person who, you know, an Oscar winner. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. Yeah, I'm an Oscar winner. And I'm, and I'm, uh, you know, my films have, uh, you know, it, uh, done. Okay. They've done. Okay. Done okay. I don't know. It's kind of, it's hard for me to say it. A lot, but I've done. Okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, let's, let's just, let's say I'm the Steven Spielberg of documentary. Yeah. <laughs> would they, would they do this? Would this happened to Steven Spielberg? What would they say? Just because my films are nonfiction, you know, they're the largest grossing documentary films of all time. Why would you, why would you not stand up and say, where's the International Documentary Association? Yeah. Where is the ACLU? This is now going into the day five of, of, of my screen being dark. Not because uh, there's libel in the film, not because of, of like what, you know, what Twitter had to do to Trump saying click here for the for the facts none of this it's just they don't like the movie and they don't like me asking these questions that are uncomfortable well when you don't like something you make your case yeah you don't just flail all over the place and then try to censor it try to get it taken down Jeez, i can't tell you the people i've heard from that they have contact that they contacted especially that first week i mean it was like every friend of mine in hollywood oscar-winning directors um uh I, can, I think I can mention one name, uh, Dr. Cornell West. I mean, literally, they went everywhere across the liberal left uh, universe. And, you know, I'll let him speak for himself. But when, when, he got, when he got that email, he just, he, he thought this had to have been a prank or the world as we know it is over. Right. Because if these otherwise good liberal left people have lost their minds on a movie, a movie that's on YouTube, right. and it's free. Okay, seriously, really, you've got to really try to bring down people and their film because you don't like it. Just tell us why you don't like it. Then let's we'll tell you why you're right or wrong. Right. Um, you know, if we got a fact wrong, tell us. We'll fix it. It's it's it's. There's why go to this length. Well, can they put it back up? Because you, I mean, you can take out that clip, right? I mean, just to, it's uh, not about that, but can you replace the four second thing and then? Well, obviously, can you change your hair color? I wouldn't know because it's totally natural. So I'll have to try and see. Everybody during the pandemic has had their, this is actually my hair. 
Um, That's impressive. Yes, I know. Well, I'm lucky. It's about the only thing that works. But it's I got hair um, in my 60s. And it's its original color. Yeah, that's the really, yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's like, yes, it's four seconds, but our attitude toward the First Amendment is you give them four inches, you give right. them four seconds. Four seconds, where, right. Where does, it, where does it stop? They don't have a right. We follow the law. We are following the copyright. Sure, right. And so is it killing me that people aren't able to see the film, especially with all this attention? You know, if, if we were more... Um, um, What's the word? You know, wanting to get more people to watch the movie, we put it right Avaricious. up. Avaricious, yeah. yes, because mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody's wanting to see it right now. Right, but uh, no. So here's what we're doing: we're going through, and and I don't know what you're writing, Matt, but I mean, YouTube, um, they were very good to us with, with putting this up and helping us. But um, I think now it's really the lawyers are the ones that are making the decisions, and they're always afraid and whatever. But they do have a system there. And the system allows somebody to take down a movie, uh, take down a video. Yeah, and I, I guess the, the sort of last question that I have about that is, doesn't, no matter, even if you do get the movie put back up, doesn't that already have a chilling effect on the yeah. next person who's going to make right. a movie? I mean, yeah, the, the next person, you know, whether, whether it's Janie Sue or Billy Bob and Boise or Topeka, they, they see this, what's happened. And they're going to go, whoa, you know, I know we should we should say this in the film. It's true. And we have the backup. But we're not Michael Moore. Look, they did this to Michael Moore. We don't have the lawyers. We don't have the money. We're, this is a yes, it has a, it will have a chilling effect because who wants to go through this bullshit and who wants to pay for it? Who wants to pay for these lawyers? You know, so I thank the people who've gone to see my movies and bought my books because they've given me the ability to fight the bastards whenever they come after me. And they've given me the ability to do the next thing. So I'm never making a decision while I'm making a movie. Right. But a lot of other people will be, right? Yes. Yes. But I don't have to. I'm fortunate. I don't yeah. have to think, oh, my God, if I put that in the movie, you know, it's, I'm never going to – I'll never make another movie again. They'll never give me any money. And, I, and, and by the way, Mike, why do you want to put that in there about Al Gore? Al Gore's a nice guy. He invited you over for breakfast one morning in, in Nashville a number of years ago. And you, we talked and Tipper made eggs and bacon. <laughs> and blast inappropriate rap music. <laughs> I was waiting. See, I'm really, I'm, I'm really kind of a shy and, and nice person when I'm around people. I don't really like this fight. I don't get anything out of it. I, I would much rather be watching Sports Center right now. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, and and getting a haircut and um, the world going back to normal. But I don't think that's going to happen. That's the other thing. It's like on my on my own podcast. I started telling people the truth because I have a I have a source at the NIH, at CDC, at Harvard, at NYU, and they're feeding me all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't. If I say this, people are going to get so depressed. They don't want to hear. They want to hear that it's all going to be over soon, that there's going to be a vaccine within a year, and it's like I already know that that's not going to happen. There's not going to be a vaccine this year, next year, or the year after that. And um, see again, that's all I'm probably doing is upsetting people watching this. I hate to upset people. I want them to be happy. I want them to live their lives, but we've been lied to about this pandemic from the get go, and again. There have been well-intentioned lies because they don't want you to freak out or get depressed 
or be paralyzed by it. For me, when I hear bad news, I don't get paralyzed. I get revved up. Ready to rumble. Up, ready to rumble, ready to friggin' how we, what, how, what are we going to do to fight this? How can we be like New Zealand? That's always my question. I mean, I, I always thought, think it's a major tell when a critic says uh, the person didn't offer solutions in the film because, oh, yeah, yeah. like, whose jo- who's job is it to do? Like, that's not traditionally anybody's job to do that. It doesn't reflect on the factuality of the, of the work at all. I, but. Have, I have heard this with every film since the beginning. So what would you do to fix General Motors? Like, you're asking me? <laughs> I barely made it through high school. It's understandable because people want a happy ending to the movie. You know, you don't want Sophie's Choice. Uh, you, you, you want, um, I don't know, think of somebody who has a happy, happy movie. Uh, Bridesmaids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Very funny, too. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but, I, I, but um, I say to people this. You need us documentary filmmakers because we're like the doctor. We dig in, we investigate, we find out what's wrong, and we tell you what's wrong. We tell you you've got this cancer. You, the patient, don't say to the doctor, why are you telling me that? Ah, what a plumber. You know, well, what's the solution? You got the cure for cancer, right? Uh, no, I don't have the cure for cancer. God damn it, why'd you bother telling me I have cancer? Right. If you don't got the cure for cancer. No, a documentary is to tell you where the cancer is, in some cases. Sometimes right. there's mountain climbing documentaries. Michael, before I, before I let you before we let you go, I, as a an employee of Rolling Stone, I, I, I guess I'm obligated to ask what 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 did McKibben get wrong in in his piece? Let me say this about Bill. Um, we owe him a lot. Um, he has through the years, uh, from his the time he wrote his first book in 1989, we weren't even really talking about this. If you did talk about it, you know you I, you know I don't know you call it, what we what it, was it called back then global warming or whatever. I mean, he got a lot of people thinking about this, just like Al Gore did um, with his movie and uh, Peace Peace Prize and everything else. So you have to honor what they have done um, for the movement. It's just that decisions got made and wrong turns were taken. And, um, you know, like when he says that he's done all this work for 350 and he has never taken a penny from it. Well, First, my first thought is, well, that's horrible. That's been, that's your life's work. Why would, who's not paying you? And do you need me to come in there as a labor organizer and get you paid? Um, so he says he doesn't take a penny from it. That then, that then means somebody else is funding you because somebody's paying the bills. So now all of us need to be transparent about where the money is coming from. I was thinking about this too, just for myself. I think from now on. I, I, I should be transparent. I should literally put up on my website, here's where all the money to make this film came from. And you decide whether or not you think that was a good idea for me to take money from that studio or that network or whatever. I mean, I thought, it, I was thinking when I did TV Nation, my series on NBC back in the 90s, they were owned by GE. They're a weapons manufacturer, you know? So it's not like I haven't been around these people and, and their money, but I always admit it and I always say it. I just honestly, to tell you the truth, I felt really bad. Um, not as bad as I felt to the Michael Moore hate guy and not having health insurance, but I did feel bad. If you read Bill's piece uh, in Rolling Stone, he goes through this long litany of everybody he's helped 
and everybody he's known and met and he's and it's it was sad like you don't have to defend yourself you've done all this good he went through it's like he's met everybody but gandhi and it was like this is like this is when the environmental movement or any movement when it becomes a religion and and somebody becomes perceived as the sun god and this is what a lot of people that have written me personally they're mad why would you go after such a nice guy? I said, oh, we didn't go after him. Look at the film. There's four scenes he's in in 100 minutes, and every scene he's doing the talking. He's the one on the stage with the ex-Goldman Sachs guy. He's the one uh, 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 cutting the ribbon or um, launching this wood-fired plant, burning all this wood and putting pollution up into the atmosphere. That's him there uh, doing that. Um and it's him blowing off the filmmaker and not really giving him a serious interview when he's asking very polite questions. Um, that's all Bill being Bill, and I'm sure he regrets it. I have seen myself do things on TV that I've regretted. Um, and, um, you know, he, he shouldn't take it so personally. He should – don't leave the movement. But, damn it, and tell people, okay, we, we've tried this. We put all our eggs in one basket, but we're not going to be able to solar panel and windmill our way out of this mess. So now we need to have new thinking, and we need new blood, and we need you young people to get involved because we have royally fucked your future. That's what I'd love to see, see him say and do, and I will join him in that, and so will Jeff and Ozzy. What makes this complicated, I don't mean on a more, I don't think it's complicated because I think that I'm against censorship. Um, uh, but what makes it complicated is like, you know, there are people who you, who you agree with on, on most things, right? I mean, even yeah. this is like a, an intra-Sanders surrogate uh, uh, fight. Um, yeah. So maybe it would be, it could be cool to have just like hash it out. I mean, they would have to, wouldn't be blackmail or bribery, but they would have to then like probably, I wonder who would do it because the ones who really think that it should be taken down probably wouldn't, but it would be an interesting thing because then it would be, if they did accept, it would be a great demonstration of why things should not be censored, right? Because of yeah. the debate I mean, that it engenders. The only thing they'd have to do is they'd have to, the, the slanderous things, the defamatory things that they've said about us personally, you know, they'd have to apologize for that or somehow yeah. uh, take it back or prove, you know, prove, what, what was some of, I forgot the ones that, uh, that Matt said, but, uh, uh that you're still supportive black. of, uh, yeah. e eco-fascism. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that yeah. stuff. So they, so, I mean, it's very hard to have a conversation with somebody right. who's kind of unhinged like that, or as, has called you, uh, the equivalent of some very awful words or names we would never, we would never use. Um, so, but I'm hoping that, I, I think this is going to happen with this film. I think we will get back up. Um, there, somebody will come to our aid in defense and, um, and then we will have that discussion with the public, right. maybe not with the people that are taking money, um, sure. right. people in this environmental movement, but, um, uh, we'll have it with real, the real people that are the environmental movement in this country. And, um, and we'll, and we don't have time much to talk because we are out of time. We're completely out of time. Young people should be so angry at anybody over the age of 45 uh, that we haven't fixed this and that we let it go this long. 
Um, it's a, uh, it's cool. I get to be mad at math. That means. Yeah, exactly. Can we just pause for a few seconds and watch what that would look like. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I think I try to do that every episode. Yeah. By the way, by the way, the, the, do you play the drums? I see the drums behind you. Yeah. Not, not well. I'm a beginner. It's a, this is a midlife crisis thing that you're at least you're seeing. Yeah. Have you played them yet on, on this podcast? No, no, God, we no. Need that's, to. that's never going to happen. To. No, no. <laughs> I want him to start a boy band with his three sons. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> that's the voice of god there's the guy that's going to save you yeah, that's right but i would think that a podcast called useful idiots implies it has a drummer somewhere on the team yeah you're right that should be our slow our motto i mean our logo sorry our logo should have a drum kit you've got a guest on who's just droning on too long like i was ago. just go over to the drums and do and do you know, do a rim shot. You know what exactly. you should do whenever someone tries to wrap up an interview with you or anything in, in, in general? Be like, oh, I get it. So you're for censorship. Right. If I'm just doing like I'm doing a phone interview, any reporting, and they yeah. go, yeah, yeah I, got, I, I got to get on to the next person I'm interviewing. Oh, oh, <laughs> I, see. I see what's happening here. Censorship. Well, well, on that note, Michael, thank you so much yes. for coming on. We it's really appreciate it. And, and I think that's yeah, speak for both of us. And we say we really hope the film gets back up soon and yeah. that uh, this whole thing has been uh, terrible and, uh, and sorry yeah, that it well, happened. Well, that's okay. You know what's really terrible about it? We all have one job this year right. and we moved Donald J. Trump from the White House. And any time we spend fighting each other on this shit, it's like some of this can wait a few months. We right. all have to work together to flip the Senate, to remove uh, Trump. And, and even just in the day-to-day, -day, like what's going on this past week in Minneapolis, sickening. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I don't, you know, it's, we've got big stuff. And, and the second wave of this is going to come back. We didn't, we didn't stay at home the way we should have. And, uh, and now more people are going to die. So um, we've got some heavy stuff in front of us. And, uh, and we need more love and kindness toward each other, even when we disagree. Uh, I think that's really, really important. So That's, that's a great note, Dan. Th th thank you so much, yeah, Michael. Take you. care, and, uh, and, and thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye. That was great. That was great. Uh, I think his consistency on this, he, he's very old school in his devotion to a, a lot of these principles. And... Um, I get the sense that he's sincere about wanting to have the discussion about this stuff. But yeah. uh, in short, uh, that was great. Uh, th thanks for everybody for listening in. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see you again next week. Great. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.